The scripture for our confession of sin today comes from Romans chapter 4, verses 13 through 25. For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of no effect. Because the law brings about wrath, for where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. In the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did, who contrary to hope, in hope, believed, so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead, since he was about a hundred years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. And therefore... It was accounted to him for righteousness. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but also for us. It shall be imputed to us who believe in him, who raised up Jesus, our Lord, from the dead, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification." This is the word of the Lord. You are invited to kneel if you are able. Heavenly Father, Abraham, contrary to hope, in hope believed. We confess that often when we see the hopeless way we believe what we see, the lie of hopelessness instead of what we have been truly promised. We confess that when we see the impossible, we believe the lie that the impossible is impossible for you, and we doubt your power, and we doubt your true promise. We confess that we believe lies for truth. We believe our own eyes and our own understanding and our own worldly wisdom instead of believing your good and sure promise. Far from being fully convinced, we confess that too often we are like waves tossed to and fro. We are like Peter sinking in the sea instead of obeying and walking on the water. Forgive us, Father. Make us walk by faith. Believing by grace makes us obedient. Walk as you command. On water, through barrenness, 
through death with hope. And if we regard iniquity in our heart, our prayers will be ineffectual. So we pause to confess our individual sins to you now. Please rise and lift up your head and receive the good news. Psalm 32, 4 and 5. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Beloved, Whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. By this gospel and the sure word and perfect work of Jesus Christ, I can declare to you that your sins are forgiven. Thanks be to God.
If you are here today and you would like prayer, we would like to pray with you. Yes, ma'am. Oh, man. Okay. So we need to pray for some intestinal fortitude there. <laughs> right? Oh, man. I hear that's going around, and I hope it just keeps going around and goes away. All right, let's pray. Father, we pray for, uh, for Zach and Madison and Lydia and for DJ. Father, we pray whatever this bug is, it would just bug out and be gone. We pray your healing over them. We pray your protection over the rest of the family, that it won't be passed, that, Father, it will just pass away and, and that they will be restored and healed. In Jesus' name, amen. Anyone else here and you would like prayer? Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, she's still in the hospital, doing tests, she cannot, she keeps on throwing up. Okay. All right. All right. Well, Father, we lift Heather up to you, and we ask that you would bring healing, that you would, Lord, reveal what the root of this is so that Heather can move forward in her life and not have doubts and fears. Father, I just pray that you would pour out your peace upon her right now, that she would look to you and trust in you, that you would give wisdom to those caring for her. And we thank you for that care, but Father, we confess the weakness of man, and we look to you to be our strength, and to be our healing, to be our ever-present help in time of need. Father, we pray this for Heather. In Jesus' name, amen. Yes, sir. Praise and to God for the hearing the prayers of this church on behalf of my brother. Amen. Right. Well, Father, thank you for that successful surgery that Roger had, and we just pray, God, that uh, that will continue. He'll heal fully, recover fully, and we just thank you um, for the way that you brought healing to those eyes. In Jesus' name, amen. Yes, ma'am. I had Father, we pray for John. We pray for his healing. We pray grace over him. We pray for Susan, Lord, as she is going to see her brother. 
the brother she loves and the brother that she wants to minister to and support. Father, I just pray that you lead and guide her every way. That is a long drive, and we pray your protection over her and your provision for her in all things. I pray, Father God, that that time of driving will just be a time of ministry uh, for Susan. You would just minister to her as she prepares to meet her brother and to minister to her brother. Father, we just pray that you be glorified in all of this and that you will provide and equip and, Father, that your will would be done and you would be glorified in all of this. We thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to pray for Andrea today. She is uh, not, not feeling well at all. Um, she is at home, and uh, I want to pray for her. Father, I lift Andrea up to you. And Lord, I pray that you would touch her and heal her. Lord, this is our constant prayer, that you would send a match. Father, if you choose to bring healing through a, a donor match, Father, we pray for that match to come forward. Lord, we know you have a plan and a purpose in all things. We know that if a sparrow can't fall from the sky apart from our Father's will, then a person cannot walk through the valley of the shadow of death and not know that you are there with them, that you have ordained the journey as much as we dislike it. Father, there are many in similar situations. And Lord, even as we lift Andrea up to you and ask that you would heal her in your grace, Lord, we also lift those others up we're struggling with and fighting against and striving against those diagnoses that seem to doom us. Father, we are grateful because there is no doom awaiting your children. You have taken our doom. You have taken the wrath we deserve. You have taken away our sin and you have given to us eternal life in Christ Jesus. And as much as we all want to live long on this earth, the life we have is eternal. And it does not end on this earth. It continues forever and ever and ever in Christ. But we thank you, Father, because the psalmist David wrote these words, Oh, that I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. And the land of the living is not just some place one day in glory. The land of the living is right here and right now. Because we are alive and well in you, Lord Jesus. And so for Andrea and for all others struggling with sickness and disease and even terminal diagnoses, Father, we thank you for your goodness. The goodness of God in the land of the living Pour out your life, we pray, God, and be glorified in your children. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Let us pray for the other knee. Oh. Um, I talked to the Uh huh. And also, uh, Bennett sent in, they're in Arkansas visiting family. He also sent in a message to pray for their their former church when they lived in Arkansas. The church they went through are going through some troubles right now. Um, So, Father, we lift Danny up to you. And, Father, we just thank you for the testimony of his faith. Lord, this young man has gone through and will go through much in the in the months and years to come. However this all works out, you know. And we just pray, God, you would pour out your grace and your peace that whatever Danny is ordained to walk through, he will walk through it with your peace, with assurance that you are with him, that you never leave him, you never forsake him. And that is not conditional upon wherever we are. Wherever we are, you are with us. You never leave us. You never forsake us. You are our light in the depths of the darkest dark. And we thank you for that. Father, we pray for this church in Mena, Arkansas, that is going through difficulty. Lord, disruption and division in that body. Father, I pray for the leadership of that church. I pray that they would stand strong in you and in your word. And whatever has caused this disruption and this division, whatever has created offense there among the brethren, I pray that your peace would prevail. I pray, Father God, your wisdom would prevail. I pray, God, that you would bring healing and reconciliation to this body of believers. That, Father, even through the difficulty of this time and through the reconciliation we pray for, you would be glorified and there would be a witness there of God's love one for another. Father, we ask this and that you be glorified in your church. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray for the other needs of our congregation. We go before our Father in heaven. Please stand if you're able and let our prayers rise like incense. Our Heavenly Father, we ask that you would grant healing to those yet suffering in our congregation Josephine, Andrea, Rebecca, Zach, Paula, and Loriam, and others we know who are suffering Jolyn, Charlie, Tom, Bill, Chippo, Tammy, Sonia, Jesse, Dawn, Rose, and Daniel. We lift up Whitney and Victoria and pray they and their babies remain healthy. We lift up those who desire marriage and children and ask that you continue blessing your church with children. Blessed be the name of the Lord, the creator and sustainer of life. 
Grant to this congregation and our elders wisdom and strength for our time of visitation. Make us faithful and fruitful in our labors. Lead us to the lost and wandering sheep and bring them into your fold to join the fight and the feast. Grant wisdom and direction to those considering moving and joining our community. Grow us as you see fit. Unless you build the house, we labor in vain. Make us holy as you are holy. Pour out blessings on your church and the earth today. Too many of your people are afraid of man. Make us fear you alone, that as one unified body we would trust and obey and be the faithful martyrs that you have called us to be in life even unto death. Thanks be to God who gives victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We lift up Pastor Cornelius, Pastor Joel, and Pastor James and pray they would be faithful to seek and build your kingdom. Likewise, bless and refine the work of the CREC, Taylor Area Ministerial Alliance, Kingdom Economic Coalition, Shepherd's Heart, and Koinonia Classical Christian School. Do good, O Lord, to those who are good and to those who are upright in their hearts. We lift up our missionaries, Gatana in Africa, Jeff in Central and South America, Alan in Mexico, and Brandon in Asia along with their families, that they remain kingdom-focused, proclaiming the gospel boldly, no matter the cost. We ask that every need they have would be met. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for you shall inherit all nations. Lord of the harvest, send out laborers into your harvest. Make us zealous witnesses to those who are yet lost or living contrary to the testimony of their baptism. Convict them of sin and grant repentance. We ask this for Daniel, Jerry, Matthew, Greg, Jonathan, Nat, Nick, Pierre, Jeannie, Lizzie, Vivian, Michaela, Dan, Austin, Angie, and Anthony. For our brothers and sisters who are persecuted for righteousness' sake to remain faithful, make their suffering fruitful and Christ-exalting. We ask this for Christine. Arise, O Lord, and let your enemies be scattered. Let those who hate you flee before you. For governing authorities and officers locally, countywide, statewide, in our country and across the globe, that they joyfully and with fear bow before Jesus, the only wise king. He shall have dominion from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. Those who dwell in the wilderness will bow before him, and his enemies will lick the dust. Yes, all kings shall fall down before him. All nations shall serve him. Put away the sin our country, even this city, calls good. We live among those who celebrate evil, suppress truth, and conspire against the Lord and your treasured ones. We live among those who delight to violently sacrifice children. We have rejected your law and despised your holy word, and therefore your anger is aroused, and the root of all who reject you will be as rottenness. Please send us revival and reformation again. Your judgment is severe, and yet we deserve worse. 
mercy and in abortion, humble us and heal our land. Almighty God, you change times and seasons. You remove kings and set up kings, and you turn the hearts of our rulers wherever you will. You have made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. Your counsel stands forever, and the thoughts of your heart to all generations. And so not our will, but yours be done. We ask these things in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Amen.
Let us confess our faith together. Christian, what do you believe? I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of the Father, before all worlds, God of God, like light, very God, very God, begotten, not made, one substance with the Father, by whom all things are made, who for us man, for our salvation, came down from heaven, and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary, and was made man, and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and on the third day he rose again according to the Scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and sits on the right hand of the Father, and he shall come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Lord and the giver of life, who 
proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe one holy Catholic church, apostolic church, I acknowledge one baptism for the resurrection of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Greet those around you with peace. All right, let us prepare to give our tithes and offerings to the Lord. Please have a seat. Thank you.
together. Most gracious Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for your kindness towards us. God, we thank you for this day that you have made. We pray that you would help us, God, to rejoice and be glad in it. We thank you for this time in worship where you enable us to give to you from the absolute abundance that you have already given to us. Help us, God, to learn and to grow in our ability and our desire to worship you with our giving. Help us also, God, to learn and grow in our ability and desire to worship you in all that we do, everything that we put our hands to. God, please bless these tithes and these offerings, and may they bear the fruit that you desire. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. of James is not a long book, but it's a full book. And the temptation sometimes for preachers who are impatient is to work quickly through these little books that are short on words, but very full in content. James's five short chapters filled with endless truth. So today, our second venture in this little book, I'm going to be in a James chapter 1, and we're, we're going to look at verses 5 through 8. I was going to go a little bit farther than that, but I changed my mind because this is just how we need to do it. So if you were here last week, you know that James opens this letter addressing his scattered brethren and encouraging them concerning the various trials they've fallen into. He writes to the 12 tribes scattered abroad. So he's writing to Jewish Christians, but he's also writing to Christians. So James doesn't write this letter to us, but he absolutely wrote this letter for us, as is the case with all of Scripture. And he exhorts the believers to know that the testing of their faith is producing patience. And it's not just them 2,000 years ago, the testing of your faith, the testing of my faith today is producing in you patience. God has a plan. God has a purpose in everything. Amen. And he goes on to encourage them to let patience have its perfect or complete work in them. The rest of that perfect work is that they be mature, or the result of that perfect work is that they be 
mature and complete, lacking nothing. And in the midst of this exhortation, James recognizes that wisdom, the wisdom of God, is absolutely necessary for this to be lived out. Thus our text today, James chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. Read along with me. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. This is the word of the Lord. If any man lacks wisdom, or another way we could say this, if any man wants wisdom, he is to ask. We must come to recognize our need for wisdom, and we must want wisdom. We have a picture here of God as a willing father and us as his wanting child. We must see our father as willing as we trust him for our want. We are to ask for wisdom. Now here in verse 5, as I just read it to you, if any man, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. That's how the verse starts out. Here we see the willing father ready to give wisdom to his wanting children. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who, who gives to all liberally and without reproach. Ask, and it will be given to him. That's what Jesus said. He said, ask, and you shall receive. <coughs> Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it shall be opened to you. So we are to ask for wisdom. Wisdom is not an optional accessory to life. It is an absolute necessity. This is especially true for the believer. As disciples of Christ, we are called to walk carefully, not as fools, but as wise. Paul's, Paul writes that in Ephesians 5.15. My New King James uses a word there, circumspectly. It means carefully, accurately. In short, we need God's wisdom. In the New American Standard Bible, you will see verse 5 here in James, chapter 1, begin with the word, but. It is not found in all English translations, but in the original Greek text, the conjunction is there. So that it would read, but if any one of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. As we look at verses 4 and 5, we ended last week on verse 4, but let's look at these verses together 
inserting the conjunction from the Greek text and see how James connects his thoughts about perfection and wisdom. Before I read those two verses together, I want to say something about this word perfection. In our culture today, we do not rightly understand what perfection is. The word perfect in the scripture means complete. Social media and the culture around us has, has, have given us a, a different take on perfection. It is true that God is perfect in every way that you can think of that and define that. You and I will never be perfect in this world. You possess flaws physically, emotionally, and yes, even spiritually. Yet God sees you as perfect through the blood of his son. And God counts you as perfect or complete in him through the blood of his son. So I want you to understand, when, the, when I use the word perfect, when the scripture uses the word perfect or perfection, and James is talking about perfection, understand it in the biblical sense. And understand that the only way you will achieve perfection is by his grace through the blood of his son. So let's read verse 4 and 5 together with the conjunction in there. But let peace, let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Here's the, here's the conjunction in the original Greek. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. So we are called to let patience have its perfect work in us so that we may be mature and complete. That word perfect is speaking of us growing to maturity, to completeness, to perfection. So we are to, to be mature and complete, lacking or wanting nothing. This is the work the Father is doing in us by His Spirit. We are all works in progress. You do realize that, right? We are all works in progress, constantly in need of God's wisdom. It is a given that we are constantly in need of God's grace. And God richly supplies His grace to us constantly. And thankfully, it's kind of like us breathing. You don't have to think about each breath you take. You just do it. That's the grace of God. And that's how grace operates in our life. It operates. We don't have to think about it. If we did, we'd be in trouble. We are all works in progress, constantly in need of God's wisdom. As we work out our own salvation with fear and trembling, James reminds us of this. 
And so verse 5 begins, but if any of you lacks wisdom, God is working in you. The testing of your faith is producing patience, and that patience, you, we are to let that patience have its perfect, its complete work so that we become perfect and complete, lacking nothing. But if any of you lacks wisdom, he's not changing subjects here. He is talking about something different, but it is related to what he had just previously written. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. That means we must recognize our need for wisdom, and then we must ask God to supply it. His promise is that he will give it to us liberally and without reproach. In the previous verses, James is talking about perfection and completeness. We are to grow up in Christ in all things, coming to the fullness of the stature of Christ. This growth is not us coming to our own moral perfection with no further need for the righteousness of Christ. We're not the kid riding the bicycle and Jesus is running behind us with his hand on the back of the bike steadying us, and then when he feels like we've become steady enough, good enough, he gives us a push and lets us go and says, now go have fun. No. That's not what we're growing to. That's not what we're coming to. We will never come to a place of moral perfection where we do not need the righteousness of Christ constantly, eternally, working on our behalf. We are growing to full maturity in Christ so that the fruit of His life and the fruit of His Spirit is more clearly and consistently made manifest through us. That cannot happen without His wisdom working in us. So we are, what are we receiving when we ask for wisdom? If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Well, what are you asking for? And when you ask for wisdom, what is it exactly you are receiving? When we ask God for wisdom, we need to understand what we're asking God to give us. The Hebrew concept of wisdom has a very practical focus. Wisdom is expressed in godly living. This is what we see in both the Old and the New Testament. Wisdom is expressed in our godly living. We achieve that expression as we walk in the Spirit, not fulfilling the lust of the flesh. This is what Paul writes in his letter to the Galatians. Walk in the Spirit and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Or we could say it like this. Walk wisely. If we're walking wisely, then we're walking by the Spirit and we're not fulfilling the lust of the flesh. So wisdom is expressed very practically in godly living. Wisdom finds entrance into our life through eyes and ears and mind and daily living. So we ask God for wisdom and He gives it to us. How, how do we get that wisdom? I'm going to tell you. 
There is no greater way to obtain wisdom than to break open God's word and hear and see God's word to you. God's wisdom to you. This is why we harp on this at Christ Fellowship Church. This is why we challenge you with the Bible reading. Challenge. It's why it's called a challenge. You break open this word. This summer, if you follow the Bible reading challenge, you will read the entire New Testament over the course of the summer. And then in September, in nine months, you'll read the entire Bible. You can do it slower. You can do it quicker. But read His Word. Gain His wisdom. We obtain wisdom in all sorts of ways. Reading the Word, our eye gate. Hearing the Word, our ear gate. Goes into our hearts. It's, it's, it's translated into our minds. Your daily living, the things you encounter every day, God uses them to impart wisdom you if you are paying attention to his leading to his spirit working just as important just as important as wisdom finding entrance into our hearts and our minds wisdom must find its exit from within us For wisdom is useless if it remains inside and does not come out through our hands and our feet and our mouth and our very being. Wisdom must not only be received, it must be practically applied and lived out as a witness to our God who gave us His wisdom. Wisdom means nothing if it is not lived out. Wisdom is manifest as we apply the knowledge in understanding we come to possess by God's Spirit through God's Word and God's world. As we walk through this world, we should be gaining wisdom from God in the things we see, in the things we hear, in the things we experience. Whether they be good, bad, or ugly, whether they be bitter or sweet, God teaches us if we will be taught. There is much wisdom available for us in all of Scripture. We have a whole book in Scripture devoted to wisdom. It's the book of Proverbs. God speaks to us about wisdom in His book. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 6. Solomon writes, For the Lord gives wisdom. From His mouth come knowledge and understanding. I want to say that again. Hear this. For the Lord gives wisdom from His mouth, from the mouth of God, comes knowledge and understanding. You say, well, I've never heard God speak to me. Well, open up His Bible and read it out loud, and you will hear God speak to you. Verse 9 and 10. Then you will understand righteousness and justice, equity and every good path. When? When the Lord gives you wisdom. When you receive His wisdom. When wisdom enters your heart and knowledge is pleasant to your soul. If reading your Bible is a chore, an unpleasant chore, keep reading. Keep praying. Ask God to remove that unpleasantness and develop a taste for His Word until it becomes as sweet 
as honey and something that you cannot live without. Verse 12, to deliver you from the, day, from the way of evil, from the man who speaks perverse things. This is what wisdom does. It delivers you from the way of evil and it puts you on the path that God has for you. It delivers you from the man who speaks perverse things. It's like Spencer said today, we don't have to know everything about every false religion and every false teacher, but if we know the truth, when we hear the perverse man speak perverse things, we will know it's perverse and it is not the way that we are to go. In this proverb, wisdom is defined by living in obedience to God and His Word. The concept of wisdom in the New Testament times was largely influenced by Greek thought. So in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew culture, wisdom very practical. It's godly living. When you come to the New Testament times, when you come to the world that's been Hellenized, which has been, been infiltrated with Greek culture, the concept of wisdom is very different in Greek thought. Wisdom was associated much more with philosophic and speculative knowledge. The Greek philosophers loved to sit around and speculate about what truth is and speculate about what wisdom is and speculate about the universe and all things. We see this in our own culture today where wisdom and truth are speculative, where everyone has their own truth, where everyone has their own wisdom, and we are commanded by the culture to respect each one's truth and each one's wisdom, even when it's a lie leading them to death and destruction. And the culture tells us that true love is letting that person go on their way to death and destruction, unhindered. Don't make them feel uncomfortable. When we were at the Pride event in Bastrop last week, didn't say a word, just walking around. Before I even talked to a, an unbeliever, they had their security following us around. Just following. And any time we went up to encounter, to talk, or even it looked like we were going to talk to someone, there they are. And when asked, why, why are you doing Well, we want to make sure you don't make anyone feel uncomfortable. Why would you assume I'm going to make someone feel uncomfortable? Well, I don't know that you are. But it's been said that the protesters are here. I said, oh, really? Where are they? As I have my green Jesus is Lord emblazoned on the back in white letters, Jesus is Lord. She was so nice, she didn't want to call me a protester. And I'm not a protester. I'm not a protester. I'm a Christian who loves people. And I just wanted to have a conversation with somebody. But it did not matter if I felt uncomfortable. 
and did not matter if I wanted to say something. I could not speak, and I was told, don't speak to me. I just want to tell you that I, I really care. I don't want to hear what you have to say, and if you say anything else, I'm going to call it harassment. Even if I'm just trying to tell, I'm telling you, don't speak to me again. That happened to me. Free speech? America? Constitution? Didn't exist in Bastrop on that day. Because the assumption was made because I believe Jesus is Lord. Whatever I had to say was going to be offensive, hurtful, mean, hateful. Don't open your mouth and don't let a word come out to me. I don't want to hear it. And you might think that's extreme. That was Bastrop, Texas. We look back in history and we see when men who reject God obtain power, their hatred for God and their hatred for His truth will not stop in their minds, in their speculative philosophies. It will filter down and result in the deaths of millions. You don't believe that? The 20th century saw the greatest genocide in human history. And I'm not even talking about Nazi Germany. I'm talking about the cleansing that, that Mao accomplished in China by killing Tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of Chinese simply because he assumed their education, their knowledge was going to be contrary to what he tried to do. And so he just exterminated a whole, whole generations of people in the name of communism in the name of fairness, in the name of everything we're hearing about today in our culture. They're just not calling it by the same name, but it's the same philosophy. It's not even a communist philosophy. It's a godless philosophy. It's a godless philosophy. Communism is just a name. The philosophy is godlessness. This is the speculative and philosophic wisdom the world likes to promote now. But the wisdom of God is objective wisdom that is to be lived out, not speculated about. The scripture and the wisdom it imparts is for our obedience. Practically put, the wisdom of God is to be expressed in godly living. A person operating in wisdom is guided by God's will as revealed in His Word. Obedience to God is wisdom. 
James says, when we ask God for wisdom, we will receive it. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, and it will be given to him. When a man asks God for wisdom, he is asking the one who gives to all liberally and without reproach. In other words, God is not stingy with his wisdom, but gives it generously and without finding fault and without leveling criticism. That's what it means, liberally and without reproach. God's not waiting to level criticism at you. Not, God's not waiting to find fault with you. You know why God doesn't have to wait to find fault with you? Because he, are, he found you when you were not just in fault, but you were dead in your sin. You couldn't have been more faulty than when God found you to begin with. You are dead in your sin. And God raised you up and seated you with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Not because you deserved it, because you don't, and neither do I. He did it because he is good, he is graceful. And in his good grace, he chose to raise you from the dead and seat you with him in the heavenly places. And when you ask him now, he will generously, liberally give to you wisdom without fault or criticism being directed at you in any way, shape, or form. We are not only to ask, but we are instructed how we are to ask. We are instructed to ask in faith with no doubting. We receive when we ask in faith with no doubting. Here again, we see the conjunction, the word but between verses 5 and 6. In these two verses, James is qualifying how we can be assured of receiving the wisdom of God, the wisdom that God promises to give liberally to those who ask. Listen to these two verses. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to, to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. So here is our willing father, and we are his wanting child. And we have assurance that he will liberally give wisdom when we ask him in faith with no doubting. The scripture is clear that we are to ask in faith with no Doubting. I'll be honest, that is intimidating. But it is true. We can't get around this as much as we may want to. When you find yourself doubting, I mean, it, I, I'll just say this. If, if anyone is here and you've never had doubts, I really would like to meet you after service and talk with you to find out how you've done that. I 
I almost put, if you find yourself doubting, but I thought, well, that would be incorrect because we all find ourselves doubting in some form, in some fashion. When you find yourself doubting, what are you to do? You are to renew your mind and build up your faith in the Word of God. Here is wisdom. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. That's Romans 10, 17. Very often I've had people tell me, Pastor, I just wish I had more faith. And my question is always, well, how often do you read your Bible? Well, I don't read it very often. It just kind of, I don't know, I just don't get much out of it. Do you see the irony there? I wish I had more faith, but I don't read my Bible because I don't think I get too much out of it. That's why you need more faith. The more time you spend in His Word, the more time you will find yourself trusting Him and the less time you will find yourself doubting Him. I mean, God has made it easy for us today. We've got all kinds of, of gadgets now that, that can get the Word into us. You can listen to it while you drive. You can listen to it while you sleep. You can listen to it while you're doing just about anything. Not to mention, you can read it and listen to it at the same time. That's what I do when I do my Bible reading challenge. I've got it on my phone, and I play it, and I read along with it as I'm hearing it read to me. So I'm getting double benefit. I've got, I've got God's Word going through my eye gate, and I've got it going through my ear gate all at the same time. It's a win-win. So the more time you spend in His Word, the more time you will find yourself trusting Him and the less time you'll find yourself doubting Him. Verse 6 describes the one who doubts as a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Picture the sea tossed to and fro by the wind. That movement of the waves being tossed around with no clear direction or purpose is a picture of the one who doubts. Do not be that person. Do not be tossed to and fro. Instead, seek His wisdom and apply it to your life and walk by faith, not by sight. When we ask, we are to ask in faith without doubting. We are to ask, in other words, with one mind. Let's look at the full context. Let's see what James is writing here concerning faith and doubting and receiving from God. Let's read three verses, verses 6, 7, and 8. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. A man who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. This is not a man with a single mind, but he is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. Notice that the double-minded man is unstable in all 
of his ways. Not just in some of his ways. This is important because our faith or lack of faith impacts all of our life, not just whether or not we have wisdom to do the things we need to do or the things we need to do, are supposed to do, want to do. No, our lack of faith or our faith impacts all of our life. James coins the phrase here, double-minded. It's not used... This is the first place this phrase is used. It's used a lot in the, in the writings of the early Christians, and they get it from James. This, this phrase, double-minded, is found only twice in Scripture, in James 2.8 and in James 4.8. But it's widely used in the writings of those who come after James. For example, Paul Bunyan in 1648, in his famous work, Pilgrim's Progress, has a character named... Mr. Facing Both Ways. Hello, I'm Mr. Facing Both Ways. I meet him a lot these days. In fact, he's pastoring a lot of churches, I think. This comes from this concept of double-mindedness. I talked to Mr. Facing Both Ways, who was a pastor at that uh, Pride event in Bastrop. And Mr. Facing Both Ways let me know that he did not want to talk to me. We must take this verse at face value, this verse about not doubting when we ask God. We may be tempted to insert our reasons and our excuses for not receiving the wisdom from God that we lack, and we can be certain that the reason we request the reason the request is not fulfilled does not lie with our willing father if the request for wisdom is not fulfilled it lies only with the wanting child it is a lack of trust on the child's part not of la- not a lack of willingness on the father's part Now, I want to stop there and I want to make a statement here before you take what I just said to places you are forbidden to take it. This does not mean that enough faith with no doubt gives us a blank check to override God's will. Even Jesus was subject and submitted to the Father's will. Even Jesus in the garden prayed, Father, if there is any way for this cup to pass from me, let it pass. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. If there was anyone who ever asked his father in faith with no doubting, it was Jesus. But Jesus submitted his will to the will of the Father. God is not giving us a blank check in terms of our will. God is giving us assurance in terms of his will. Doubt denies us 
from receiving anything from God. James writes that the man who doubts is a man who is tossed about like a wave. That man must not expect, that man must not suppose to receive anything from God. It seems James takes the principle here beyond just receiving wisdom from God to receiving anything from God. And James seems to hearken back to the teaching of Jesus. Matthew 21, 21 and 22. So Jesus answered and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but also if you say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, it will be done. And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. Remember, this is not a blank check. This is not free reign for our will. This is about our faith in the midst of God's will. For example, when Jesus said, You are more valuable than many sparrows. For not even a sparrow can fall to the ground apart from your Father's will. Therefore, know that you are more valuable than many sparrows. God chooses His words carefully. Just like when Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say to you, Unless a man works really hard, he can't see the kingdom of heaven. You notice that's not what the Bible says? But that's, that's, that's the way we practically live it out sometimes. It's all on us. I'm my own God. I'm the one that's going to determine. No. Jesus said, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. That's not an accident that Jesus said that. It's also not an accident that he said a sparrow. The most common, the least. In, in that sense, the least valuable. The most common, least valuable bird can't even fall. One of them can't fall to the ground apart from your Father's will. How do you walk through your trials and your tribulations? How do you go through your fiery trial? And God's will, the Father's will, is not involved. You can't. You don't. Whatever valley God has ordained you to walk through, He has ordained you to walk through it. Whatever fire He has ordained you to pass through, He has ordained you to pass through it. Whatever waters, no matter how deep they are, no matter how dangerous they seem, if He has ordained you to walk through them, you will walk through them. So I am not saying, and neither is the Scripture saying, that if you have enough faith, you can do anything you want. No. That's not what the Scripture is saying. God's will, God's purpose rules everything, even our faith. Even our no doubting. 
the man who doubts. The crisis of faith is not only about the doubts concerning what you are asking to receive, but it goes to the very core of faith in God himself. This seems to be what James is driving at here. The man who doubts is not simply a man with questions. Listen, you should embrace your questions. You should wrestle with your questions. Questions are good. Questions are how we learn and grow. Don't be afraid of your questions. If you could defeat God with your questions, we wouldn't be standing here today having this conversation. Christianity would have long been gone on the dustbin of history, never to be remembered anymore. So never be afraid of your questions. The man who doubts is not simply a man with questions, but a man who questions whether God is to be trusted. That's the man who doubts. You don't like the valley you're walking through? That's okay. I don't like the valley I'm walking through right now. But I trust God. I have questions. But I'm not questioning whether God is to be trusted or not. I hope you can see the difference. I hope you can discern the difference. The man who doubts, the man who doubts, James is describing is a man who is all over the place and unstable in all of his ways. He has no hope to anchor him. We all struggle with doubts, but we are not to justify our doubts because we have them. We all have questions, but we are not to question whether God is to be trusted. Instead, we trust God with our questions. We are to wrestle with our questions and conquer our doubts through faith. We are not to be people who are tossed to and fro, who are blown all over the place concerning our trust in God. The man who doubts is contrary to wisdom and contrary to faith. It could be said he is lacking both, but what must he do? He must increase his wisdom. He must increase his faith. And I've already told you how to do that. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And the more you're in God's Word, the more you're hearing God speak to you. And God speaks His wisdom to you through His words. Therefore, let the man who doubts go to the Word. From the Word, let his faith be increased. And as his faith is increased, let him ask of God for wisdom. And by faith he will receive liberally and without reproach. And so let this cycle continue as the man is built up in his faith and in his wisdom in God. As he does this, he will no longer be double-minded, but he will be a man with singleness of mind, a man of one heart, wholly devoted to God. It will no longer be said that he is unstable in all of his ways, but stable. A man who knows how to ask God for wisdom when he finds he is lacking. A man who asks and receives from the one who gives liberally and without reproach. That is the man God called you to be. 
That is the woman God calls you to be. That is the believer, his child that he called you to be. If you lack wisdom, ask of God. And he will give liberally and without reproach to those who ask of him. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us prepare our hearts to come to the Lord's table. And as we come, let us remember that Jesus has made a way for us. He has made a way for us to come to Him, to come to His Father, and to receive not only wisdom, but renewal. And in this weekly renewal, in this weekly ritual of eating bread and drinking wine at the Father's table, we are renewed to go back out into this world and express and demonstrate the wisdom of the Father through our godly living and our testimony in Christ. Amen? Christian, you are welcome to this table. Welcome to Jesus.
Can you hear the warfare? Can you hear the praise of God stilling the avenger from the mouth of nursing babes and infants? That's Psalm 2, verse 8. I never apologize for the sounds of nursing babes and infants slaying our foe. Father, we thank you. Such grace that cannot be described. Not only did you save us, and set us somewhere safely out of your way. But you saved us, and you welcomed us in, and you made us part of your family, and you invite us to come and to dine at your table. And not just any feast, but to dine on the body and the blood of your Son. to renew us, to remind us, to encourage us and empower us to walk wisely, to walk obediently and do what you have commanded us to do, to disciple the nations and to fill this earth with the knowledge of the glory of God. Father, we thank you for that privilege given to us in Christ by your grace. The Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Father, thank you for the body of Jesus broken for us on the cross. Thank you for the body of Jesus present here today in your church. We eat this bread with thankful hearts and we proclaim the body of Christ. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Father, we thank you for the precious blood of Jesus poured out for us to not just cover our sins, but to take away our sin. Father, we thank you for the new covenant in that blood that has been established for us a better covenant based on better promises Father, we proclaim the blood of Christ and with grateful, thankful hearts we drink this cup proclaiming the blood of Christ.
Let's all stand for our charge. Faith without doubting does not mean we like all our faith demands or all that God demands of our faith. It means we embrace, we embrace all our faith demands. We embrace all that God demands even as we embrace Him as the very one who saved us. Here is God's charge. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Do not forget, nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her, and she will preserve you. Love her, and she will keep you. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all your getting, get understanding. Those are the words of a father to his children. Those are the words of God to his children. The imperative is get wisdom, get understanding. There is no wisdom and there is no understanding apart from Christ. The fool has said in his heart there is no God. And without God, a man is a fool, no matter how wise he thinks he is or how much understanding he seems to have. God constantly uses fools in his story, even giving them great knowledge. But that does not make them wise. God is working in you. Yes, even through various trials and the testing of your faith, that you will be mature and complete, lacking nothing. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally without reproach. But you must ask in faith with no doubting. How do you deal with your doubts? Deal with your doubts by faith that comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Hide the word in your heart and so renew your mind to the truth. Do not be a fool. Be wise. Do not settle for only knowledge or information. Get wisdom. Get understanding. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. As the proverb teaches us, the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Amen. Let's sing our thanks to God. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him all creatures here below. Praise him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father Son and Holy Ghost. Amen. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you. Have a great day.